It's time for America Outdoors Radio, the show that covers the outdoor scene across the U.S. of A. and the entire continent. Fishing, hunting, conservation, outdoor recreation, and great destinations, we cover it all every week. It's your country, your outdoors. Let's explore it together with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I know I did with my daughter. It was a wonderful time. She got to meet my new puppy. And the name we decided on for this little black and white Springer Spaniel that is all of nine weeks old now, his name is Sam. As in, you know, Samity Sam. Or maybe Sam I Am, depending on what your pleasure is. But he is a cutie. He's also a handful. Boy, oh boy. Uh, Working on the potty training and working on the teething issues. But he's got a great personality. He's very socialized already. And he's even got retrieving instinct, which I was surprised to see this early on. So very excited about training up Sam over the winter and spring and having him ready to go hunting in the fall. And by the way, really impressed with the breeder. New Day Springers is the name of his company. He is based out of Twin Falls, Idaho, and he's got some great dogs. I got to beat both the, the mom and the dad. Beautiful looking AKC registered Springer Spaniels. And while he's gotten rid of most of them, he's actually got three left. And he told me that he's going to make a Christmas deal for you if you want one of the three remaining Springers. And I've seen them all. They are all great-looking dogs with great personalities. He'll sell them to you for only $900. That's right, male or female. The females were going for $1,500. I paid $1,000 for my male Springer Spaniel. But he will sell them to the right person with the right home for only $900. So if you're interested... Go to his Facebook page. You'll find it at New Day Springers. That's New Day Springers, based in Twin Falls, Idaho. And see if one of the remaining dogs is the right dog for you. I know I'm really looking forward to having Sam around for a long time, and I bet you'll fall in love with one of these dogs, too. The Facebook page again. New Day Springers. We've got some great guests for you today on the show. One of them is George Crum. He's the editor of Fish Alaska Magazine. And towards the end of our program, he's going to tell you about some places to go ice fishing if you find yourself up near Anchorage or Wasilla this winter. Another guest we'll talk to is Casey Weismental. He is the executive director for the Aberdeen Visitors and Convention Bureau, and he's also an avid pheasant hunter. And we are going to talk about November and December pheasant hunting and fishing for walleye, both in the open water, where two state records have been broken in this region in just the last month, uh, as well as some hard water ice fishing you can do in and around Aberdeen, too, and why Aberdeen is the perfect cast and blast destination for you in the month ahead. I got to be a guest of KC and Pheasants Forever about six years ago. We've actually got a best of show we still run from time to time about that wonderful experience we had there. And I'll tell you what, the hunting in South Dakota, it is incredible for pheasant. And I'd love to try out some of the fishing too. The other guest you're going to hear from today, that would be Chris Milgate. As a matter of fact, Chris is one of my favorite people. She is a veteran journalist. She also writes for publications like Outdoor Life and Field and Stream. Chris's latest story is about an animal that attacked and killed a woman. And we're going to talk not only about this particular incident, but other incidents where people put themselves in harm's way because they're not using common sense and they're not not treating wild animals as wild animals, especially when it comes to big game animals like elk and deer and bears and cougars and bison. 
Let's get more into that conversation right now. Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we've got Chris Milgate on the line. She is an award-winning journalist. She is an author. She is a documentary filmmaker. And she just wrote an article for Field & Stream about a woman who was trampled to death in Arizona. Chris, welcome to the show. What the heck happened here? John, thanks for having me. So this case in Arizona is pretty shocking, especially since there hasn't ever been in the state's history, a documented kill by an elk of a human. But what's hard to piece together is exactly what you're asking in a, in a way that kind of confounds you, is what happened here. Well, part of the problem with what happened with this case in Arizona is nobody witnessed it. But there was a woman who was found by her husband in her backyard, and she was unresponsive, and she looked trampled, and there was a bucket of spilled corn by her. And she ended up in the hospital, and eight days later, she died. And when the investigators pieced the case together, they found elk tracks all around and pieced together that what probably had happened is she had been feeding the elk and things turned south, as they can often do in the fall when elk are in the rut. Elk are really aggressive in the rut. And it didn't turn out well at all. So neighbors were put on alert with warnings of don't feed the animals, and especially this time of year. I mean, they're going to be a little more aggressive. And, and it was just kind of a case of someone thinking they were doing something pretty benign when they probably were not. Right. You know, you live in Idaho, and it wasn't that long ago that there was a woman that was trampled there by a moose. And I think that she had a dog with her, and the dog triggered the attack. You know, that's pretty common. And when you go into certain places where I live, and even into places like Yellowstone where people visit, it's very clear you do not let your dogs off leash or that can trigger things. Dogs are going to defend their humans, and that's not going to bode well either <laughs> in that case. So I think there's a lot of places where it's, there's a specific reason why your animal should not be off leash or allowed in that area. And even in those areas, there's also rules layered on top of, of how your pets are handled. But there's also how you handle yourself. You don't feed the animals. I ran along the river just last week. And there was a woman sitting on the ground feeding squirrels, and there were 10 squirrels surrounding her. That's creepy to me. I don't want to see that kind of interaction. Those animals know how to feed themselves. We are not helping at all when we try to feed them. And she even took it a step further where she was actually reaching out with her hand and expecting the squirrel to, to use its hands to reach into her hand to take out the shelled peanut. It was very uncomfortable. That is not a situation that should be occurring, and we have to restrain ourselves. We're not helping the animals by feeding them. If anything, we're starving them because the day we walk away and we're not standing there with food anymore, they might forget how to find their own food, and that's not good either. You're absolutely right. And continuing with when animals attack, and we're not talking about bears yet, we're sticking with hoofed animals. Been uh, another uptick of cases in Yellowstone National Park with people getting way too close and way too comfortable with bison, and bad things have happened. Yeah, Yellowstone... People love Yellowstone, and I love that people love Yellowstone, and I love that I live an hour and a half from it. But I hate what happens in there. When I see what a lot of people do around the animals, I will avoid the park at peak season because it's just an alarming situation. I think what happens is people get into places like Yellowstone, and I realize the privilege of living close. I can go to it on any given day. A lot of people maybe get to visit Yellowstone once in their lifetime. And that's what you have to remember. For some of these people in Yellowstone, it's the only time they're going to be in a place like that where they can see wildlife just kind of lingering around and roaming around. 
whether it's grizzlies or it's bison or it's elk. They're just out there doing their thing, and people crave that connection with the natural world in such an intense degree at this point that when they get into that situation, they kind of lose themselves and they don't realize what they're doing. And they just want to get closer to nature. And then things turn horribly wrong, but they've kind of lost themselves. They get wrapped up in the moment and wanting to connect with nature in such a way that they forget how to behave appropriately in that wild environment. I agree. Nature, it deserves your respect, folks. Keep away from the animals. Don't feed them. Don't take selfies with them. Watch them from a distance and enjoy that. Would you mind sticking around, Chris? Because I would love to talk about your new documentary film on Grizzly Ground. I'd love to stick around. All right. Stick around, folks. We'll be right back with Chris Milgate to talk about grizzly bears in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. telling you about Sportsman's Cove Lodge in Southeast Alaska for a while now, and there's a reason. They are the only Alaska Lodge we talk about in this show. It's because they're truly Alaska's best lodge. The adventure starts with a float plane ride from Ketchikan, after which you'll get the chance to experience some of the best hospitality, food, and wonderful people you'll ever meet. Wildlife is abundant, from bears and deer to eagles and whales, and let's not forget the reason you're here, the fishing. Halibut, salmon, lingcod, rockfish, true cod, and more. It's all waiting for you in abundance at Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Book your trip today at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Looking for the perfect gift for the hunter or shooter in your life? Give them a Henry. These American-made lever-action guns shoot straight and have a classic Western look. Choose from a 22 caliber Henry for plinking, a heavier caliber for hunting, or even a shotgun for birds and small game. Better still, these guns come in all sorts of finishes, covering everything from use in the field or on the range to showing off the best-looking firearm in your zip code. Henry rifles and shotguns come with a lifetime guarantee. And if you help need deciding what Henry is right for you, just ask. The award-winning customer service team at HenryUSA.com will be happy to help you out. So, go to HenryUSA.com and order a free catalog and holiday gift guide. Then, find what you like, look for a dealer near you, and get a gift that will put a real smile on someone's face this holiday season. Start searching for your Henry now at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. 
A sharp blade makes short work of any project you have in the outdoors, in the kitchen, or in the shop. Hone your knives and tools with quality power and manual sharpeners from WorkSharp. Find out more at WorkSharpTools.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. We've got Chris Milgate back on the line, that Emmy-nominated filmmaker and journalist and author who just released a new documentary on Grizzly Ground. Chris, thanks for sticking around. Oh, absolutely. It's always fun to visit with you. So tell me a little bit about this latest project of yours. On Grizzly Ground follows greater Yellowstone grizzlies for a summer. And that means when they wake up in the spring and start moving around after hibernation, I start following them, and I follow them through Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming, Yellowstone National Park, and Grand Teton National Park. Those are the elements that make up the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. And so what I do is I decided I wanted to show people what it's like for the wild to make its way with us in the way by following them for a whole season and showing you all the ways that we help and hurdle the wild. And when it comes to grizzly bear, that means the way we help them is we give them space. The way we hurdle them is... We give them food, and <laughs> we give them food in all kinds of ways, whether it's a cooler that's too easy to open or the garbage that we don't think anything wants to eat in our garbage can. That certainly is a food source for an animal. So we look at all of that, and there's ranching involved. There's the tribal perspective. There's the scientific perspective, and it's really important to make sure that all of those perspectives are included when I'm working on a hot-button issue like grizzlies. When you're talking about grizzlies, people think that you're, you know, talking about whether or not they should be listed or de- or delisted. And what they're really arguing about is whether or not grizzly bears should be hunted. Because if they were delisted, that would be the next step. And that is the real hot-button issue when you're talking about a protected animal that's about to be delisted. And the grizzly bear recovery has been a real success story. What is it, about 900 grizzly bears in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem now? As far as the count goes, it kind of depends on which area you're counting, whether you're inside the specific recovery area or you're looking at all Greater Yellowstone. So the most accurate number that I use that makes sense to people is there are more than a 1,000 grizzly bears in the Greater Yellowstone ecosystem today. Compare that to 50 years ago when they were put on the endangered species list. There were less than 200. So an animal that doesn't produce babies every year, that's a remarkable recovery. And so it's a story of recovery that is a story of hope, but it comes with hesitation because this is an animal that is higher on the food chain than us, and that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's funny you mention that. It was, I think about a year and a half ago, I had my first encounter with a cougar while I was hiking. And I had that, that moment where I realized I'm not at the top of the food chain right now. That cougar that's literally like 30 yards away looking at me on that ridge line, that's the animal that's on top of the food chain. It's a very unsettling feeling, and I'm sure you had that feeling many times while making this documentary. You know, it is unsettling, and then when I work on something like grizzlies, the first thing people say to me is, ooh, that's a risky, aren't you scared? <laughs> okay, well, the reality is I don't have to see a grizzly bear every day to follow grizzlies through the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. 
I need to talk to people affected by having them in that ecosystem. But they don't see those bears every day. And when I'm running trail cameras in spots where I know on purpose that grizzly bears are going to come through, I'm very strategic about how I approach those areas. I go in the heat of the day because I know it's hot and I don't want to be hiking. So I know bears aren't really moving around. And I don't go alone. And I always have bear spray. And there's things that I do that are considered preventative measures. But I also know to respect their space. I am in their house. And I am in bear country. And I need to respect that I am in their house. So I can reduce the risk by a lot. But, I mean, i got to tell you, there are certain points when you're in the field and you're working and you're concentrating on what your shot should be in front of you. But you should always be aware of what's going on behind you and over your shoulder. And the reality is, if you make enough noise and a bear knows you're coming, they have what they want nothing to do with you. They're getting out of there. You're not even going to know they were there if you're loud enough. But a mountain lion? A mountain lion hears you coming and they hear dinner bell. So I carry bear spray whether or not I'm in grizz country because I'm more worried about mountain lions. Well, I don't blame you for that, but I, w- <laughs> I would say this, though. You I mean, during the making of this, I'm sure you relied on footage from, like, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, National Park Service, Idaho Fish and Game, and other agencies. You obviously had some trail cameras. Did you get to have some up close, or maybe not up close, but personal viewings of grizzly bears yourself? One of the most satisfying parts of my job is shooting all the footage myself. So while I rely on those agencies that you mentioned to verify statistics and research, the footage is mine. Oh, wow. And so I am very proud of the fact that I am willing to work extremely hard to get that impossible shot. And I like how hard the job is, and I like how rare the footage is when I'm done. I was allowed to go into a grizzly bear trapping situation with Idaho Fishing Game, and that footage I shot, but I was with biologists that know what they're doing, and I've had more than one opportunity to go nose-to-nose with a grizzly bear, (laughs) but that bear has been asleep, and he's been uh, on a medication that kind of just passes him out on the forest floor so that they can be examined, kind of like a doctor's visit where you go in, they weigh you, and they take a blood sample. All that's done for a grizzly as well, and then the reason they're captured in the first place is to put a collar on. When you're working on a story about a federally protected animal, the benefit is that animal is tracked heavily. So these collars go around their neck. So biologists know where the animals are and how they're doing and what they're eating. And I can go on very select occasions. I've been able to go on those trapping days where they put a bear to sleep with a little bit of a sleepy time tee shot. And for about a half hour, they can examine that bear. And then they put a collar on its neck and let go. And they can track that animal without touching it again. During that half hour, I shoot my footage. Well, there are moments where... I will wake up in the middle of the night and I remember what happens on those shoots because specifically on one case, one of the bears woke up early and I was right at its face and his eyes popped open and nothing looks closer to death than when you're nose to nose with a grizzly and he wakes up and there's nothing else you're going to do but pee your pants. That's just what happens. I, it's like, it's, I was literally thinking to myself, it. I would have done just that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least that was all I did. But that's like the moment when you, it's just such a visceral moment. There's no getting out of it. And even though it's a controlled situation and I know how it's going to turn out because they're just going to give the bear another shot and he's going to go back to sleep. When you wake up with the wild, when the wild wakes up that close to your face, it's something that you never can erase from your mind. Oh my goodness. All right. Last question. How can folks see on Grizzly Ground? On Grizzly Ground is showing in 
a bunch of ways. There's in-person film screenings, which sell out, and those are a lot of fun. And those will settle down for the winter and pick up again in the spring. And then if you want to watch it at home right now while the bears are hibernating, and you're kind of hibernating for the winter, have an at-home movie night. Go to ongrizzlyground.com, and you can buy a virtual movie pass to watch it at home. The other thing that's fun that is good for the winter time while the bears are sleeping is books. So a lot of people like to ask me, what's it like to do your job? You know, you know, wasn't it scary to follow grizzlies for the summer? And what is it like to go nose to nose with a grizzly? All of those behind-the-scenes features go in a book. And that book is called My Place Among Beasts. And so it takes you behind every shot in the film. And you can realize what I went through, stitches included, to get this film produced. And so that is at the same place, on grizzlyground.com for the movie and the book. All right, on grizzlyground.com. That's the website to go to for both the movie and the book, My Place Among Beasts. It would also make a great Christmas gift as well. Chris, thanks for sharing all of this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. Thank you. This portion of the show was brought to you by our friends at WorkSharp. They're the fine folks out of Ashland, Oregon, who make knife and tool sharpeners that you can use, whether you're hunting or fishing or camping or maybe in your shop, maybe in your kitchen for all of the knives and tools you need sharpened every day when you work and play. WorkSharp tools can be found online at WorkSharpTools.com or you can find them in sporting goods stores and hardware stores all over our great nation. Just look for WorkSharp products to sharpen your knives and your tools because nothing is worse than trying to get the job done right with a dull blade. Hunt of a Lifetime is a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to providing hunting and fishing trips to youth 21 and under who suffer from life-threatening illnesses and disabilities. These adventures make big differences in the lives of those who participate in them, and in many cases are literally a dream come true that brings hope and therapy to their lives. Find out more, get involved, or donate today at huntofalifetime.org. That's huntofalifetime.org. Huntofalifetime.org. Immerse yourself in a complete Alaska wilderness experience through Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Up to six of you will spend a week in a beautiful waterfront log home in a secluded cove. Every day is a new adventure. Go on a guided fishing trip or haul in a bounty of shrimp and crab. Visit a Native American village where totem poles are carved. Go on a whale or bear watching trip and return back to your very own place at the end of the day. Find out more about the Alaska wilderness experience at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com. You're back in with America Outdoors Radio. Our next stop is Aberdeen, South Dakota. We've got Casey Wiseman on the line. He's the executive director for the Aberdeen Area Convention and Visitors Bureau. He's also an avid pheasant hunter. Casey, great to have you back on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. Well, Casey, about, oh, six years ago now, you were kind enough to host me and several other members of the media and Pheasants Forever for a fantastic pheasant hunt. And I've got to tell you, Aberdeen Stands Out is like the best base camp if you are both a hunter and a fisher person this time of year. How's the pheasant hunting season gone so far this year, and how long will it last? I'll tell you what, you know, last year we were coming off a of tanner hop. The best birds they've seen in the last 10 years, and this year is a close second. 
Uh, we had snow last winter, um, nothing we're not used to. But, you know, we had the real mild spring, rains throughout the summer. My grass is still green at home, and we're talking the middle of November. Wow. And just catching the moisture right when we need it. And the result is the habitat. And if you have the habitat, you're going to have those birds. And this is another banner year for pheasant hunting in South Dakota. So the season starts in November, and it goes how long? Our season starts the third Saturday in October, always the third Saturday, and it goes through the end of January. Gotcha. One thing I definitely remember about hunting in your region is that there's a lot of publicly accessible land, and some of it is public land, but a lot of it is uh, through a coalition. Tell our listeners about the the Aberdeen Coalition that helps hunters get on land. It's an initiative that we started here in Aberdeen called the Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition. And, uh, you know, just as, as you hunters and fishermen out there think that your efforts don't make a difference, I promise you they do. This is a grassroots effort. Uh, some businesses, the Pheasants Forever chapter, uh, the local tourism chapter in Aberdeen, we all got together and we pooled some money. And what we do is we allow those farmers to take advantage of every farm program out there And then we work with those farmers to give them that slight little monetary push over the edge to enroll their land into into CRP. And it has to be enrolled back into heavy, dense nesting covers. Now, if you look at all the state programs that are out there for farmers to take advantage of, this is a great extra incentive, not only on behalf of the farmer, but on behalf of the habitat that it creates for the birds. And this Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition put an additional 4,000 acres on the ground just in Aberdeen alone, or I should say Brown County, but basically Aberdeen, put additional 4,000 acres on the ground just in Aberdeen area. So now if you take those 4,000 acres, in addition to all of the other state acreages, walk-in areas, crep land, game production areas, waterfall production areas, school and public lands, you have all of that. There's more public land than you could ever dream of hunting in a weekend just in the northeastern part of South Dakota, and more or less really just around Aberdeen. Let's talk about something else. Aberdeen's not too far from the Missouri River, and uh, (laughs) the walleye record's been broken twice in like 15 days there. The first one was like a 16-plus pounder. The second one was a 17-plus pounder. What's going on out there? What's going on is I've taken the batteries out of my boat and it's in storage already. That's what's going on. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's that fine line of, of those big walleyes. You know, they're bulking up for the wintertime. And, uh, you know, going into the late season open water fishing, pre-ice, I guess you could say, those walleyes are just feasting and gorging on the bait that's available. But to see two state records fall, Roughly in about two weeks' time, can you imagine? I mean, and if you think about it, John, there has to be another bigger one out there, right? Right. I mean, it's just just the the incentive and the drive to get out there and and maybe fish for walleyes in the morning and and chase pheasants in the afternoon, a true South Dakota cast and blast. I mean, just think of the possibilities. Uh, But, yeah, Aberdeen is located right just outside of the Missouri River where basically – both of those records fell, I believe, in, in that Gettysburg area. But, you know, to see those those big, fat pig walleyes, you know, and to have that opportunity to still be fishing open water. Yesterday, we're sitting at 50-plus degrees here in Aberdeen. Oh, my gosh. Uh, today, we're sitting at about a high of 47, but, you know, we have no snow on the ground. We're talking almost the end of November already. 
That is balmy weather for South Dakota this time of year, that's for sure. Eventually, though, those waters are going to freeze, and we should talk about some waters even closer to Aberdeen. You've got a number of glacial lakes that freeze over, and I'm guessing some of those are pretty good for ice fishing. Absolutely. You know, we're located right in that prairie pothole region, uh, which is the namesake of of where we're located in that northeastern part of the state. But, you know, some of those lakes, uh, little lakes, little ponds, big lakes, they freeze over. You know, and you're catching anywhere from crappies to bluegills to perch to walleyes. An occasional cat might come through, but, you know, to have the access of all of the prairie pothole regions in and around the Aberdeen area, it just, it's a short drive time. And, and in South Dakota's terms, I know it's different in other states, but your drive time from Aberdeen to the lake you're going to or Aberdeen to the pheasant field you're going to, the public land, your coffee's still hot by the time you get there. All of it is easily accessible. You know, we're sitting really in that hot spot of everything that's hunting and fishing related. But, you know, with the mild temperature, I know there's some ice fishing tournaments that are right on the radar of, of being hosted at the start of the year. But, you know, open water fishing sliding right into hard water fishing uh, with the combination of chasing pheasants in this mild temperatures as well. This is a great destination if you want to get in that late season pheasant hunt or that early season uh, ice fishing trip for sure. Let's talk about Aberdeen as a base camp. One thing that stood out to me was how hunter-friendly the hotels were there. Yeah, absolutely. All the hotels are dog-friendly. They all allow dogs. They all allow your unruly brother-in-law. You know, we're just trying to be as hospitable as possible. We roll out the orange carpet. We know what those hunters bring to the community. Every time a dollar, a new dollar comes into the community, that thing rolls over anywhere three to seven times. You know what that means? That means there's an extra housekeeper. That means there's an extra waiter or waitress. That's an extra set of eggs, an extra steak that's being grilled. We know what those dollars mean when they come into the community. And Aberdeen prides itself on the hospitality, I mean, bar none. We are the home of the pheasant sandwich. Uh, they used to serve pheasant sandwiches to the troops during World War II. Our efforts of being hospitable go back that far. We're still serving the pheasant sandwich today as it celebrates its 80th anniversary. 80 years of serving the pheasant sandwich. That is a great story, and you're right. Great way to show how hospitable Aberdeen is. And it's a great base camp, folks, for hunting, Absolutely. for fishing. Make plans to go there now. A couple websites to give out. Why don't you give them out there, Casey? Yeah, our vacation website is visitaberdeensd.com. You can catch that family vacation getaway, very cheap, affordable information. And our hunting and fishing website, we really built it into our name. We're that dedicated, is huntfishsd.com. And that's your online resource for everything hunting and fishing related, whether it's private land, public land, guides, lodges, outfitters, soft water, hard water. It's basically your, your online resource for everything for the hunting and fishing adventure. The websites again, folks, visit AberdeenSD.com and HuntFishSD.com. Check them out. Make plans today to go on a cast and blast late fall vacation to Aberdeen, South Dakota. Casey, wishing you a happy Thanksgiving, and thanks for sharing this with us today on America Outdoors Radio. You as well. Thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Sticking with firearms and thinking of Christmas already, I've got a great idea for you, and that would be giving somebody a personalized Henry 
Golden Boy or Golden Boy Silver Rifle. Here's what you do. You just buy a Golden Boy or Golden Boy Silver Rifle from your local Henry dealer. Think up 20 words that you would like to leave with a loved one for life. Then you purchase a personalized Golden Boy or personalized Golden Boy Silver Receiver cover. They'll engrave the message for you at Henry Repeating Arms. Make sure it looks great. And you just replace that standard receiver cover with your new personalized one. No gunsmith needed. Just five screws holds it together. Together, box that rifle back up, wrap it for Christmas, and wait for Christmas morning to give somebody a very special gift they will remember the rest of their life. Find out more at HenryUSA.com. That's HenryUSA.com. Purchase the best Christmas gift ever today. adventure seekers, hunters, and foodies. No matter the lifestyle, we can all agree on one thing. Great food and great people are worth remembering. At Camp Chef, we don't just make grills. We create each product knowing that a warm meal is always better when it's shared with those we love. Learn more about Camp Chef grills, smokers, and portable cooking equipment at CampChef.com. That's CampChef.com for a better way to cook outdoors. Hunting and fishing are exercises in hope. Before you head into the woods, you hope to tag out on a deer you'll have to field dress. Before you make that first cast, you hope for a big fish to clean and fillet. When your hopes are realized, you'll need a sharp knife. Whether you sharpen that blade on a power sharpener in the shop or a manual sharpener in the field, WorkSharp has the tool for you. Look for WorkSharp products in sporting and stores near you or online at WorkSharpTools.com. Come explore the Dalles in Oregon for outdoors fun. Hike amongst the wildflowers, bike our riverfront trail, or visit the Gorge Discovery Center where you can enjoy a live raptor display. Or even check out our National Neon Sign Museum. But don't forget the fishing. We've got salmon, steelhead, bass, walleye, and monster-sized sturgeon waiting just for you. When the day is done, tell those tall tales at one of our wineries, breweries, or restaurants and plan your next adventure. Find out more at explorethedalles.com. Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? Then set the hook because we've got it right here for you. America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners interested in fishing, hunting, and the outdoors. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at americaoutdoorsradio.com. That's americaoutdoorsradio.com. Hurry, though. If you wait too long, the big opportunity might just get away. americaoutdoorsradio.com. Attention, small business owners. This could be the most important 10-minute call you will ever make. You may be eligible to receive up to $26,000 per employee through the Employee Retention Credit. Call Omega Accounting Solutions to see if your business is eligible to recover payroll tax pay during the pandemic. All it takes is a quick, easy, free 10-minute consultation to determine your qualifications. Call Omega Accounting Solutions at 800-309-ERC. Omega's knowledgeable staff will streamline the process of filing complicated paperwork. 
Omega is the small business champion with teams dedicated to maximizing tax credits. CPAs even turn to Omega for ERC guidance. Take advantage of this exclusive small business tax credit before it's too late. The three-year sunset deadline is setting soon. So find out if you qualify today. Call 800-309-ERC. That's 800-309-ERC. Or visit OmegaTaxCredits.com. Hey guys, stop. Grab your bait and listen. listen. Ice is on the lake, so we're going fishing. With me is my best friend, Mike. We're hitting Lake Boykin for the trophy fight. Will I catch a perch? Hey, I guess so. I got some new jigs and a brand new Zebco. I loaded up the truck with all my new gear. Mike got the bait. I bought the beer. Sorrels. I got a nice pair of boots to go with my hat and my blazer suit. But that ain't enough. So I chew and treat pair of heavy duty flannel thermal underwear. Drilling. The ice is half a foot thick. My gas powered ice auger ought to do the trick. If I want to eat crap, I got to catch dinner. Drop my line in the hole with the minnow and the spinner. Oh yeah, starting things off with a little music from Shad Rap, my favorite Wisconsin-based fishing and hunting rap-themed parody group. Next up on America Outdoors Radio, we are checking in with George Crum. He's the longtime editor of Fish Alaska Magazine. And, you know, you might find yourself up in Anchorage on business. And if you are, you might want to bring a fishing rod because even though it's cold out, there's still fishing opportunities out there. George, welcome back to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. So let's say somebody is up at Anchorage and they bring their fishing rod and they've got a car rental. Where would you steer them for a little bit of fishing this time of year? Well, uh, as you can probably imagine, the lakes are all frozen in the area. And this year we've had a, an unusually large amount of early snow. They got about three feet of snow in Anchorage over the last two weeks, maybe closer to four feet in some places. So that's a little unusual. But the lakes are frozen. And the good news is there are a ton of lakes within about an hour or an hour and a half of Anchorage that you could ice fish. And in those lakes, you can catch rainbow trout, sometimes typical stocked rainbow trout, you know, 8, 10, 12 inches, sometimes bigger than that, sometimes huge. But you also have some other interesting species. And if you're from outside of Alaska, you have a great chance of targeting fish like Arctic char and burbot. What about she fish? Are they up in that area too? She fish are far to the northwest of Anchorage. You'd have to fly to Kotzebue, basically, to get in striking distance of where they're catching she fish. All right. Well, Arctic char sounds just fine to me. And burbot, they call that a freshwater lingcod. So uh, those would be tasty, too. Are there any places where you can actually rent, you know, like an ice auger and, and what you need to do some ice fishing up there? You might be able to rent an ice auger at... Three Rivers Fly and Tackle in Wasilla. And Wasilla is kind of like ground zero for all the, for the majority of the lakes that are close to Anchorage. Wasilla is kind of right in the center of it all. So that'd be a good place to check in. Certainly they'll have ice fishing tackle and some advice on where to go and what's been good. Now for Artichar and Burbit, the closest really good opportunity to Anchorage would be Big Lake. And that is north of Wasilla just a little ways. You can drive right out to it. There are several access points on the lake. And depending on ice thickness, once the ice is thick enough, they actually plow a road across the lake and you're allowed to drive on it. And you can basically drive almost anywhere you'd want to fish once the ice is thick enough. It's not thick enough yet, but it will be by probably January. Are there any resorts up in that area that cater to ice anglers? You know, it's funny that there aren't really. If you go farther north from Anchorage up to Lake Louise, that is a good area to target lake trout and burbot. 
And they do have some lodges up there that do cater to people that are just snowmobile riders and also ice fishermen. The Lake Louise Lodge is a good one. Uh, John and his wife Yvette own that one. I've stayed there many times. I used to also stay at another one called the Point Lodge, but Point Lodge burnt down a couple of years ago, so it's it's not uh, going to be helpful anymore. So <laughs> folks are not going to stay at that particular lodge, and obviously they're not going to stay in the one that's burnt down, and they want to do fishing near Wasilla. Where would you recommend they stay? I'd recommend they stay at Trout House, also known as the Windbreak Cafe. It has affordable rooms. It has a great restaurant with the motto that says, we feed you, not fool you. And they have a bar right there on location, too. So basically everything you need right there. There's a sportsman's warehouse a quarter of a mile away. Three Rivers Fly and Tackle is about three quarters of a mile away. It's a great place to stay, whether you're ice fishing in the winter or fishing the lakes in the summer. Sounds like a great base camp indeed. Last but not least, what's coming up in the next edition of Fish Alaska Magazine? Oh, it's funny you ask that question. And we're working on the January issue right now. The feature articles are an article by John Cleveland called Packed for Adventure. And he's basically talking about planning and packing for your trip to Alaska. Another article by Andrew Cremata about freshwater timing basics. Terry Sheely is going to write an article about Prince of Wales Island fishing called A Whale of the Last Fishtail. And last but not least, publisher Melissa Norris is going to talk about Larson Bay, Kodiak Island, Kings, and Bottom Fish. Sounds like it's going to be a great addition. And, and Terry Sheely is one of my favorite writers. And John Cleveland, who, by the way, is a marketing director over at Daredevil Lures, is no slouch either. And he loves to go fishing north of the border. So good to hear. Can't wait to get a hold of it. In the meantime, thank you for sharing all this with us about ice fishing in Alaska near Wasilla and Anchorage. And I hope you, sir, have a very Merry Christmas. Same to you, John. Happy holidays. In other news, some of you may know, some of you don't, that I write a weekly syndicated column for half a dozen newspapers in Washington State. It's called the Washington Outdoors Report. And I was talking about some gifts for the outdoors enthusiasts and thought I'd share this with you as well. Now, in Washington State, you have to have something called a Discover Pass to go ahead and park at state parks and fish and wildlife areas. And we also have recreation passes from the U.S. Forest Service that you use to access fee sites like trailheads in both Washington and Oregon. And I know that there's passes like this in different states all over the country. There's also the America the Beautiful Pass, which gets you into national parks and national monuments that you normally have to pay for too. And these are all just fantastic gifts to give somebody for Christmas, especially if they love to visit our public lands. Something else even better? consider a stay in one of our national parks. I was checking out some of the lodging and places to go to at Olympic National Park in Mount Rainier, but you can do the same thing at Grand Teton or Yellowstone or Glacier National Park or maybe Grand Canyon National Park or any of our other national parks around the country. I mean, think about it. Go ahead and either book a campsite if you want to camp or an RV site if you got an RV or maybe... Stay at a lodge or stay in a cabin and explore America's greatest idea, our greatest treasures in our national parks. And now is the time to do so because these places book up fast. In fact, a lot of them are already very well booked. So this is a great time to get on this and then give that gift of adventure and travel in the outdoors to somebody special this Christmas. Before we go, I've got time to share one more story with you. This one is a story written by Katie Hill for Outdoor Life, and the setting is the woods of Maine. 
where one lucky hunter on Veterans Day got more than he bargained for. The hunter in question is Sam Allen. He hails from Sedgwick, Maine, and he was actually deer hunting on November 4th when he kicked up a buck in the area. He took a shot, but he missed, so he left the area hoping the buck was still nearby and decided to return the following Saturday to hunt. So fast forward to Veterans Day. He's working down the same steep draw where he bounced the first buck and he saw a large black bear. Sam says he loves bear meat, and he decided to take a shot with his 308 Thompson, and he dropped it dead in its tracks. Sam said he was surprised because that was the first bear he'd ever shot that just dropped in its tracks. He says they usually run off, but I don't know if this one was so heavy that he was just done, or if I hit something good enough to end him right there. Alan waited a few minutes and then approached the bear. He messaged his friend Tyler and said he'd need help packing it out, and when he got to the bear he realized it had been pawing at a whitetail carcass. And looking closer, he saw it wasn't just a young buck or a doe. No, it was a big eight-point buck that was dead beneath the bear. Now, Alan immediately wondered if that might have been the buck he shot at the week prior. But after further investigation, he, he realized it wasn't. It took him quite some time to dress that black bear, and it tipped the scale at 332 pounds. That's a big black bear. And after they... Took care of the bear, Alan went back down to the scene with a game warden to investigate the deer kill, and they concluded the carcass had been there for less than a week, and it didn't have any bullet holes, which alleviated Alan's stress that he might have killed that buck after all. The warden gave Alan a carcass tag, and he was able to take the head out. So now he's got something to hang on his wall, and quite a story to tell. Congratulations, Sam and Katie Hill. What a great story you wrote there. On that note, it is time to go, but here's hoping the holiday season is good to you. And if you start getting stressed out, do what I do. Get outside. After all, it is your country and your outdoors, so get out there and enjoy it. If your favorite season is deer, if your favorite salad is meat salad, if your favorite gifts come wrapped in fur or scales, if you're dreaming of a white and camo Christmas, then you'd fit right in at Sportsman's Warehouse. And lucky for you, Sportsman's is offering amazing deals all season long. So visit your local store or go online to sportsmans.com and gear up for an unforgettable holiday. Are you looking to reel in the marketing opportunity of a lifetime? America Outdoors Radio has sponsorships available, and we offer affordable platforms to reach thousands of listeners interested in fishing, hunting, and the outdoors. Find out more by contacting John Cruz through his website at AmericaOutdoorsRadio.com.